And, uh, you know, since I don't get to get up here very often, I'm going to take it best advantage of it. I always appreciate it when Pastor offers me a uh, service to preach. So um, I'm just thankful for that opportunity, Pastor. Uh, if you guys would just turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 29. Oh, man, my, my notes were in Genesis 29. I took them out. So now i got to do the hard work and look for it. Genesis 29. When he asked me to preach, I, you know, Mother's Day is always a fun day, especially when you get to preach on holidays because, you know, most of the time you're trying to you see, see the Lord and what he wants you to preach on, but it kind of fits around that day. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I can't preach one of those hard messages you'd preach on Father's Day, you know, about how, oh, wretched man am I, but, uh, you know, something a little bit more joyful. But what the Lord kind of gave me the day is a message about insecurity, a message about insecurity. And we're going to be looking at a, a Bible character that I think kind of embodied insecurity. And we're going to look at, at the very end, the cure to insecurity, the cure to insecurity. You know, the UN put some numbers out about two years ago that said that six out of seven people in this world deal with insecurity. Now, I don't know if I would trust the UN, but uh, this is one of the studies they put out. This is one of the sources I saw. A lot of people quoted it. And uh, that's an interesting thought. Insecurity. What is insecurity? Insecurity, as defined by Oxford Dictionary states, an uncertainty, an anxiety about oneself, a lack of confidence, a fear of loss. It's a fear. It is fear about oneself a fear about losing something valuable to you because of your inadequacy. Amen. Praise God. So, <laughs> but I was thinking about this. This is something that specifically we see quite a bit in our world today. I was thinking, well, is this something we were naturally built with? You know, God saw man. He declared him good. In the garden, I don't see insecurity. They had perfect security in what God had given them, how God was taking care of them, and they had no worry for tomorrow. Insecurity came through the corruption of sin. They had lost their position. You know what? They were about to lose their home, so they hid. They were a little insecure after they sinned. Today we get a look at somebody in the Bible, Leah in particular, who dealt with insecurity. And we're going to look about why she had that insecurity, how that insecurity affected her behavior. It's not a natural feeling, but it's something that we all deal with in our flesh. Let's look at this biblical figure. I'll pray and I'll read our text. Lord, I thank you for this day, for allowing me to have this opportunity to preach, Lord. I just pray that you give me power, that you give me the wisdom and the strength to speak the words, Lord, that... They would bring honor and glory to you, Lord, and that they would be able to help minister to these here tonight. In your name, amen. And the Bible says in Genesis 29 and verse 16, And Laban had two daughters, and the name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. We see the introduction of Leah. She was the oldest daughter. She had a younger sister. But even the way she's introduced has a bit of a comparison. I was talking with Miss Betty 
earlier before the service, and there's a verse, I believe, in the Bible that says comparing ourselves amongst ourselves is unwise, right? And uh, here we see a direct comparison. They're comparing Leah to her sister. And I tried to look up what tender-eyed meant. Some people said it was a certain sparkle in the eyes that was just very attractive. But I just, I get from this sense that if it's comparing herself to Rachel's beauty, that means that she had a trait that just was undesirable. She was insecure. She, it literally, it says here that, you know, she, she had a, a defect in other people's eyes. Tender-eyed. And though we are all made in the image of God, we all have portions of ourselves. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's intellectual. Maybe it's positional. Where we feel like we lack. We feel like we have an adequacy. Specifically here speaking, it was uh, Leah's beauty. And I want to look at some of the causes that came in her insecurity. Her drawing her self-worth from the world. First person she tries to draw it from in the world, look at her father. This is how her father treats her. In verse 23, And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Ziplah, his maid, for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is thou that thou hast done unto me? Did I not serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? I'm just, if I was her in this position and my, uh, my new husband was that unpleased at my presence, I think I would be a little insecure. I don't know if it was Leah's fault. I tried to see if it was her playing a trick on Jacob with her uncle. It, you know, it's not clear. She might have been deceived by her uncle too. Her uncle was a liar. But she deals with the consequences of it for a long time. If she drawed her self-worth from her father, she's not going to have a very high opinion of herself. Her uncle, I guess, or her father, was the only way he could get rid of her, I guess, was by tricking somebody into marrying her. Well, that's what he did to Jacob. Jacob had a contract with his uncle to work seven years to be able to marry Rachel. Rachel was the one he desired. Rachel, the one the Bible calls beautiful. And when he wakes up, he doesn't see Rachel. If she drew her acceptance from her father, look how her father treated her. He pawned her off. Fathers are supposed to be a picture of our father, God the Father. There's security, there's love in that relationship. And her earthly father failed her. Laban was probably tricking Jacob to get seven more free years of labor. Um, he didn't have to support Leah anymore. If she was drawing herself worth from her father, she, she'd probably be a little insecure. Second person in the world that she tried to gain her security from was her husband. We just looked at how he reacted when he noticed that it was not Rachel whom he had married the first time. She was, she, I would not feel desired in that moment. Seeing my new husband's wrath at me being his spouse. 
He still performed his duty as a husband to her, but it wasn't with love. He publicly showed love for her sister. He publicly desired his sis, her sister. He worked seven more years for her. If that's not to say you're not enough, he worked seven more years for her sister. That's who he wanted. He wasn't satisfied with Leah. He neglected her emotionally. Look how God even puts it in verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. She, just, she wasn't just unloved in a sense. She was kind of despised. If she's drawing her self-worth from her husband, she's going to have a pretty low opinion of herself. She's going to be a little insecure. She's going to feel inadequate. She's going to feel insecure. Her father, he should have loved her. Her husband, he should have loved her. He should have gave her security. Notice the third person that failed her. Her sister. Her sister. The one who could understand her situation the best. They shared the same father. The same deceptive, lying father. They shared the same husband, eventually. But when they're married... Instead of supporting her sister, instead of giving security, it becomes a competition. God made marriage between one man and one woman. Jacob polluted that, adding Rachel into that equation. Of course, there would be some insecurity there. But instead of making the best of that situation, it became a negative. They were both affected by their father's deceit. It became an act of competition with them, alienating them further away from each other. Who can Leah depend on in this moment? Not her father. Not her husband. Not her sister. There is someone. We're going to talk about them later. But if she's drawing her opinion from the world, she's going to be pretty insecure. Here's the thing. If we draw our opinion from the world, we're going to be in the same boat. We might have a feeling of job insecurity. You know what? Job had a lot of security going into that morning, and then later that day he lost it all. Here's the thing. We have have the right to understand that things can go like that. We can be afraid of that sometimes. We have, we have sometimes economic security. I don't know. We all were, you know, every time I get into a conversation, at least, at least one time in church, you know, we're talking about, you know, how our economy is doing. And that's something that's really scary sometimes. There's economic insecurity. There's relational insecurity. Interesting enough, Christians don't like to talk about this one sometimes, but a lot of Christians, sometimes we deal with insecurity with our relationship with God. He won't love me anymore. I've failed him too many times. We're insecure about our position in Christ. He won't bless me anymore. Sometimes there's relationship insecurity, just like we saw uh, Leah dealing with her husband. If we draw our self 
worth. If we draw our position, our, our view of ourselves based in this world, we will be insecure. No ifs, ands about it. Someone will fail you. You will fail you. We're not perfect. Leah, looking to the outside world, would be insecure. She did look to the outside world. Now we're going to look at the conduct of insecurity. We looked at the causes of insecurity, but let's look at the conduct of insecurity. I believe the conduct of insecurity is irrationally trying to earn a sense of self-worth. In Leah's mind, it was trying to earn the love of her husband. How does she do this? Well, we look, she tries first to compensate with children. In uh, the Middle East back in those days, uh, a woman and their minds were only worth their salt if they could produce a child. We look at Hannah. I mean, what did Hannah do? She was begging in the temple to where Eli thought she was drunk. Begging God for a child. She had her worth. That's where she felt her worth was. A lot of women felt their worth in this specific area. We can see her mindset through how she names her children. We see specifically in... uh, I think it's verse 32. And Leah conceived and bared a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, and therefore my husband will love me. You know what Reuben means? See, a son. I produced you a son. Now you love me. She tried to compensate for her inadequacy, for her lack. And confidence. I produced you a son. I've done something. Now you'll love me, right? That didn't work. Jacob still favored Rachel. We see son number two, verse 33. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Simeon meaning heard. The Lord heard her. And I want you to notice something throughout this. Leah talks a lot about God for someone who grew up in an idolater's house. She, I believe she had a relationship with God. But she says, the Lord's heard my plight. I have a son because I'm hated. She felt insecure. Son number three. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. Levi meaning attached. You know, two sons was not enough to compensate for her tender-eyedness. So she had to bear three sons. Now Jacob will be attached to me. Now he'll love me. Still trying to draw that self-worth from the world. From the world didn't work. Son number four. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. She praises God for this one. She's content in this moment. God has blessed her. He's given her four sons. Her sister has no children. Now Jacob will love me. I have produced him what he truly wants seed. He has children. I am worth it. I won't lose my position as wife. I won't lose my security of his love. I've earned my spot. Her mind, she's content. 
But then something comes along, right? That's how it works in our life. Sometimes we get to those points of contentness and something comes along that mess it all up. And we see in uh, the beginning of the very next chapter, Rachel, having no children, gives her handmaiden to Jacob, adding another person into the equation of this marriage when there's only supposed to be one woman in it, into competition. Now there's two other women that Leah has to compete with. Two other women. And her insecurity brings her to do something unwise. She gives her handmaiden as well. Verse number 9 of chapter 30. Verse number 9 of chapter 30. And when Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah her maid and gave her Jacob the wife. And we see that Zilpah gives Jacob two children. You want to know something pretty interesting about this? Throughout the rest of the Bible, those two sons, I believe it's Asher and Gad, are never really credited to Leah. They're always credited to her maid because they weren't her children. Zilpah didn't need to be, or was it Bilhah? No, it was Zilpah. There we go. Got it right. Zilpah didn't need to be in that equation. Hagar, when it was Abraham, didn't need to be in that equation. She did something unwise because of her insecurity. She added another person into that marriage bed. You know, we often laugh at people because they have a fear of something and then they end up doing something that even provokes it worse. That's something that Leah just did. Yeah, I know. I've seen those, uh, there's, I mean, on social media all the time, there's those boyfriends that are insecure about their relationship. So their, their behavior becomes a little bit more gripping or undesirable. And then, you know, it kind of reinforces it and the woman leaves. When you're insecure, your behavior becomes erratic. It becomes irrational. First, she tried to earn her worth through having as many sons as possible. And then she adds even more competition into her marriage bed. And that doesn't help her at all. And see, it provokes her competition with her sister even worse. You want to say, Leah had no problem having children. She didn't need Zilpah to help compensate and have more children. She had already had four sons. Rachel, her position, while she was not right, had a little bit more understanding in that area. She was barren. When she added Zilpah into that relationship, it forced that fervency of that competition even worse between those two. It caused bitterness, jealousy, and Leah's heart towards her sister. Trying to gain that self-worth that she couldn't gain from the world, from her husband. I don't know if you've ever counted out of Jacob's children, specifically out of his sons, how many of them were Leah's. Half. Half. She was never going to earn something. She was never going to be able to take away something. She could not secure it herself. What she wanted most desperately, Jacob's love. She had 12 of Jacob's sons. We see how, how far their competition goes to the point of when Reuben goes to gather mandrakes, those fruits, and Rachel asks of some, she, she rebukes her sister saying, why are you taking my fruit when you've already taken my husband? 
Can you not see the bitterness, the jealousy in a statement like that? And Rachel, I guess not valuing the company of her husband, sells it away to Leah. To the point where Leah has to buy the company of her husband. Insecurity. Insecurity. Their competition was fierce. We've seen the causes for insecurity. We saw how Leah tried to gain her self-worth from the world. We've seen the kind of insecurity. I mean, just in your life, when you have been afraid of losing, when you have been afraid and you've been feeling inadequate, how has your behavior been? Has it led to wise decisions? Have they been controlled? And the Bible commands us to be sober-minded. It calls us to be temperate. We are supposed to be in control of ourselves, not dominated by fear. When we're dominated by fear, it leads to irrational decisions. How many times did the children of Israel become dominated by fear? And it led to countless trials, countless curses. In our lives, when we're dominated by the fear of insecurity, the fear of lack, the fear of inadequacy... It leads to unwise decisions. Unwise decisions. And here's the thing. We do lack. I do not deserve God's mercy. I do not deserve God's grace. When we look at what we truly deserve, that can, that can bring a sense of lack. That can bring a sense of inadequacy. You know, I think about even my position as a youth pastor here. God's been gracious to give that to me. I don't deserve it. I lack. But you know what? When we view that relationship in accordance to the cure, the insecurity, it all makes the picture clear. It, it, it draws the haze of insecurity, of fear out of one's eyes. The cure to insecurity is drawing your self-worth. Drawing your security from God. How many times have we tried the world and felt the same way? You know, they say the uh, definition of insanity is trying the same thing multiple times, expecting a different result. Why not try Jesus? Why not try God? Leah was a believer. We saw when she names her son, who is she giving the credit to? Her sister stole her father's idols. She was attached to those idols. Obviously, she didn't have a great walk with the Lord. Leah, she was giving credit to the Lord for giving her children, saying the Lord blessed her with a great dowry when she had Issachar, I believe. She knew God. But she didn't always draw her security from God. Step number one to rooting out insecurity in our lives is rooting our identity in Christ. Rooting our identity in Christ. We are made in his image. It says in Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. We're not like the animals. Animals, while they have some value to us, are nowhere near our level. 
I really don't like those animal advocates. PETA, they make me sick. How dare they think that some dog is on my level? Those people that are always talking about us killing the planet and saying, look at the ecosystem. God created this planet for our pleasure. He gave us dominion over it. We're created in God's image. There's value in that. There's value in that. You know what? It never shocks me when I see an evolutionist and they have a low opinion of themselves. If you think you're an animal, I think you would think you have a low opinion of yourself too. Psalms 139 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. God didn't just create all of us like a factory press. He fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of us. You're a one-of-a-kind design. There's no one else like you. God gave you your own flavor. And he created you for your own flavor so he could enjoy you and gain pleasure from you. To know that we could bring God glory, that we have that ability to make him pleased. We have value. We have value in Christ. Look specifically, turn your Bibles real quick because this is important right here. The value we have as believers. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This is often called the I am chapter. The I am chapter. At least it was where I came from in college. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And get this who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings. We have spiritual blessings. And heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us. Predestinated us into the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. God really values us. God has given a lot to us. If we have no worth in the world, we have worth with him. He was willing to come to this earth and die for us. You don't do that for something you don't value, for someone you don't value. He loved us that much. He values us. It says right here in this, he accepts us. He spiritually blesses us. He chose us. He predestinated us to the adoption. You know what? Christ doesn't just value us in our bodies. He's going to make us like him. That's something that should get you excited. We're going to be like him. You know, I see Jesus. He's doing some pretty cool stuff throughout the Bible. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind being like him. He redeemed us. God values us. When you have the ability to root your identity in Jesus Christ, it doesn't quite matter so much how the world views you. It doesn't, it's not quite so hard to see the value that, God, that, that is in you, that God places in you. The world might not see any value in you, but God has a lot. God's invested. 
God cares about us. Leah, she so desperately wanted the love of her husband, but God loved her the whole time. She was looking at the wrong source. She rooted her identity in herself and what she could do, how she could earn love, and God had it for her the whole time. When God saw she was hated, you know what he did? He opened her womb. He was blessing her already. When we understand that our value is in Christ, our value to the Father, it makes insecurity kind of go out the window. How about this? That's step number one, rooting your identity in Christ. But how about resting on God's promises? Resting on God's promises. There are some wonderful promises in the Word of God. You know, I tell that to the teenagers. I try to, at least. Because some, you know, there's some people that just don't understand all quite what's in this book that God has promised us. How about, I'm going to look at a few of those promises. It says that he promises, uh, he promises us eternal life and hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. You want to talk about security? That's eternal security. We're not losing that position. No fear of having to lose that. Once saved, always saved. God's bringing you to heaven. How about this? God promises us purpose. We see in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Hey, guess what? God had a purpose for you inside your mother's womb. We want to talk about Mother's Day. There's a lot of people walking around without purpose today in our world. That gives you a pretty low opinion of yourself. It gives a feeling of inadequacy. God has a use for you. God has a purpose for you. That's a promise. How about this? Matthew 28, 20, one of my favorite promises in the Bible, that he'll never leave us. Teaching them to observe all things wheresoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. That doesn't say until you sin. It doesn't say until you get too far away. It says always. You know, Jonah thought he could get away. He can't get away from God. Once, once you've accepted Christ, there's no getting away. You're stuck together forever. And if that's not comforting, I don't know what is. I love that promise. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. You know, we often think, God, where have you gone? Well, he didn't leave, we did. But he's still there. He's still there. He's with us always. You want to know how the fight insecurity? We have to rest in God's promises. That's not the only ones. How about this? Philippians 4.19. Everyone knows this verse. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I promise to a giving church. Right, we're a giving church. We want to talk about all that economic insecurity, that job insecurity. God, he clothes the grass he feeds the birds. He can take care of us. There, is no, there should be no sense of insecurity when it comes to what we might lack because God has all the riches in the universe. It's not too hard for him to pour them out on us. There should be no insecurity when it comes to us and our relationship with God. He's provided it all. He has put before us a table and on it is best. When you're dealing with insecurity, don't just put your self-worth in the world. Don't just 
see at what you lack, but remember the root of your identity in Christ. Remember to rest in God's promises. Psalms 37.4, one of my favorite ones, the ones that helped got me through life early on. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Rest in God's promises. And my third and final point, you guys can take a sigh of relief. Relish God's goodness. Praise him. You know what? I, I always like to sing out for God in church. I always like to I sing out in my car, I sing out in the shower. Um, I don't have a good voice. I don't have a voice that people would say, come sing a solo. But I'm not going to let my spot get taken by a rock or a stone. I have the ability to praise God. You know what? It's hard to be down on yourself when you're praising God. I don't know if you've noticed that before. I'm in the car, and if I'm singing about Jesus, it's hard for me to be feeling inadequate and sad. Why should I feel inadequate and sad? I have Jesus. Praise him. Relish his goodness. It says in Psalms 104 and 5, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I don't have to fear, because I serve a good God. I don't have to fear, because that good God values me. I don't have to fear because that good God who cannot lie has promised me promises that he can't take back. My security comes from God. And it only starts going downhill in our lives when we try to take that from him. When we try to say, God, you're good and all, but you're my second option. I'm going to choose to go through the world. It doesn't work out for us. You know, we all feel like we lack at points. When we look at our Savior, there's, there's no lack. Our cups, they, cut, they run over. They run over. You know something about Leah? She had six of Jacob's children. She was blessed. You know who two of those sons were? First was Levi, the priestly nation. The nation that was able to directly uh, interact with God. That's pretty blessed. One of her fourth son, Judah, was the tribe which our Savior came out of. Leah was blessed. She was blessed. She was the great, 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 and so on, grandmother of Jesus Christ. She was blessed. God's good to us. You don't have to feel like you lack when you understand God's goodness, when you relish in God's goodness. So in conclusion, God wants you to find your self-worth, your security in him. He wants us to place our identity in him, rest on his promises, relish his goodness. He loves us, and get this, unconditionally, unconditionally. When we place our self-worth in the world, we will be disappointed. There's no doubt about it. That's a promise. You know what? People will fail you. People at church, organized religion, church will fail you. But you want to know something? God and his word never will. Never will. So take stock in that. There's security in Christ. 
Place your identity in Christ and all insecurity will flee. And let me just show us one more description of us from God's word. One more description of us from God's word. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's security in Christ. Uh, Pastor.